Welcome to All Steelers Talk, your home for everything Pittsburgh Steelers, presented by AllSteelers.com. What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackbine, joined every Friday by my main man, Derek Bell. Find us on YouTube.com slash Talk and subscribe anywhere you get your podcast. Today, we recap what has been a wild week for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Releases, contract extensions, backup quarterback talks, XFL players. It has been nonstop an exciting week for the black and gold as we gear up for OTAs and minicamp. It's raining here, so I can only imagine there's a little bit of a tundra going on in the uh, great state of Kentucky. How you feeling, my friend? Feeling good, man. No, it's actually pretty good weather, man. It's been it's been all right this week. Um, yeah, I'm headed to headed to Disney World tomorrow, taking my daughter. So. I'm uh, not looking forward to the drive, but I am excited about the weekend. So that that's always a good thing. Vacation's a good thing. It's uh, I need to uh, after draft the draft cycle and all that stuff uh, that kind of followed. I'm I need to uh, get some time to kind of unwind for sure. I'm excited about that. Yeah, hundred percent. So I I got some Disney questions, but first I, I agree. Like after the after the draft, when we like calm down right before football, it just seems like everybody collectively who does this for a living is like, yep taking a couple of days like yeah. i just i don't yeah. think you guys understand that i haven't slept much it's been tiring and i've watched way too much football i agree right uh, right what is the drive what is it from here it's like 24 hours zero chance i do <laughs> no so it's uh it's like 12 and a half ish okay from that's Louisville. not terrible so it's I mean, it's doable. Um, last year, we were planning on um, stopping like in Macon, Georgia, which is like a little bit past the halfway mark and then driving the next day. But it was like Mother's Day and I ended up uh, just driving straight through. I don't think I'm going to be able to do that this time, which is fine. Um, my <laughs> daughter, she's just she's three. So it's a little bit uh, she's just so much more hyper, man. Like, I just don't think she's going to be able to sit in a car for 12 hours and day. we'll see how it goes, but I'm excited to talk some football. Um, I got a bunch of stuff that I'm trying to finish up before I leave. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's been an exciting week for the Steelers for sure. It has been a very exciting week. Not only is Mason Rudolph back, Mitch Trubisky has a contract extension. Akella Witherspoon has been released and there's still, uh, there's still no word about that final roster spot. Let's start with Akella Witherspoon here. Cut from the Steelers, saves them roughly $4 million. He was set to make a little over $5 million this season. Dealt with a hamstring injury last year, obviously, so he only played three games. Kind of a rough road for his time in Pittsburgh. A guy that last year at this time, we were talking about, is he is he the guy? Like, he, Do the Steelers view him as the next franchise cornerback corner of this team? He's gone, saves some space. You know, You look at the move, it obviously makes sense financially, but what were your thoughts when it happened? Yeah, I mean, not overly surprising, right? I mean, it was going to be difficult for him to crack the 53-man roster just with the Steelers drafting, you know, Joey Porter Jr., 32nd overall, and then, you know, double-dipping and getting Corey Trice as well. Um, Along with, you know, the other guys set on the roster, they brought in Patrick Peterson. Um, You know, I think him and Levi Wallace are probably the – you know, the go-to favorites right now to start on the outside. You know, you're not drafting Joey Porter Jr. at 32 to sit. And then, you know, yeah. just looking at the cap, the cap hit, right? Like, you know, a cap hit of five, six million dollars, you're not going to pay a fourth cornerback that. I mean, you just from a roster building or roster construction standpoint, that makes zero sense to do. Yeah. So um, he he was going to be fighting an uphill battle. I actually think it's good for Akilo, um, probably right now to – um, go ahead and get his release and he can pursue other opportunities before training camp. Um, and uh, also I think it's a good move for the Steelers. Cause you know, you don't want, and 
not this is gonna sound like kind of mean, but like you don't want him get hurt in like OTAs to where you actually have to pay him. Yes. Uh like on injured reserve or you have to keep him when you know there's just there was really, really a very slim, slim path for him making this team. So yeah, yeah. It wasn't yeah. uh wasn't overly surprising. The writing was on the wall, just like you said. I think now the question is like who's that fourth? Is it James Pierre? Does it go is it Corey Trice Jr.? Does Chan, you know, does Chandon Sullivan and Duke Dawson like what's the cornerback outlook? Obviously, Patrick yeah. Peterson, Joey Porter Jr., and Levi Wallace are kind of locks to make locks. the team. They usually keep five. Who do you see being those other two? Yeah, I mean, one more thing that I want to talk about with um with Akilo is like when they signed Akilo and Levi Wallace to the same exact contract last year. Yeah, I, I think I remember coming on this show and I was like, one of them's not going to be here next year i mean just because of the way it was structured we um, saw it the know, other way around yeah uh, the the <laughs> two-year the two-year deals like the year one cap hits are always smaller um mm-hmm. and then they spread the signing bonus out the year two cap hits a little bit higher and you know they just weren't gonna pay like two corners of that caliber like five six million dollars not that that's no. an outrageous amount it's just you're not just not gonna do it so um especially when we knew they draft a corner eventually again so um as far as who's gonna be cb4 man i think um you know, I think it's going to be between Pierre and Corey Trice, if I had to guess for that for that outside spot. Of course, I mean, I'm saying CB4 on the outside because yeah, like, yeah, yeah, somebody because yeah, yeah. the nickel's now. like a whole other spot. Yeah. yeah, I mean, is does Peterson factor in the nickel? That could also like you know, it that could also change the uh, responsibilities in the secondary as well. But you know, Corey Trice has a really good. I mean, rarely do I say this about seven round picks, but he has a really good chance to make the roster, not just because of yeah. how uh, uniquely talented um, I think he is, but also uh, because, you know, there is an opening. I feel like behind those first three guys, I do feel like that there's um, a good chance for him to make the team potentially. So, yeah. um, you know, but James Pierre, I mean, he played really well last year and the the very limited time that we saw him, you know, he had a good game against Tampa when he was called upon, when his number was called upon. And then, um, you know, his special teams value like that can't be completely discounted there either. If you're not going to be one of the top two or three guys at your position, you better be you better be able to play special teams. And like yep. James Pierre has proven over the course of, you know, his time with the Steelers that he can he can be a solid special teams contributor for Danny Smith. So I think that that's going to work in his favor. It's going to be a good camp battle. I'm excited about it. Yeah, the, the CB4 spot is going to be a good one. I remember talking to Danny Smith last year at camp and or maybe it was. Yeah, it had to be last year because Justin Lane, Justin Lane's time in Pittsburgh ended last 53 man roster. Correct. I believe. Uh, yes, I don't I'm almost positive. Camp. Yeah, I think. Well, maybe he was. I don't know. No, he was because he I remember, was in camp. Yeah, he was in camp. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember talking to him about his, his latest album release or something. Yeah. Um, a True story. But uh, I remember talking to Danny Smith and he, he straight up said he was like, I told James at the beginning of the summer the way you're going to make this roster is you have to be a better, better special teamer than Justin Lane, which at the time, Justin Lane was, I mean, he was was a gunner for them for several years. He was a gunner and they loved how good he was at special teams. He was terrible at corner, but he's a great special teamer. So James Pierre being able to beat him out gives me a lot of confidence there. I still think Trice has an opportunity. Like I think if the Steelers kind of competed out and it falls into how I believe it's going to fall into Patrick Peterson, Joey Porter Jr., and Levi Wallace are going to be the guys that you're like, okay, these are destined. Uh, James Pierre is is a given after he fought his way in. And then I think they're going to look at Corey Trice Jr. They're going to look at Shannon Sullivan and say, you know, we have a decision to make here. Are we going to take a risk and lose Corey Trice by waving him and putting him on the practice squad? Or 
Are we going to get rid of Shannon Sullivan and just figure that out as we move forward? I think that's like a real possibility. I think like guys like Trey Norwood maybe, and I'm not really, I don't believe it that Trey Norwood's going to get an opportunity there, but I think if it works out to where the Steelers have to come up with other options, he's a name, Patrick Peterson's a name, maybe DeMonte KZ's a name. I just think that if it comes down to it, they're not going to get rid of Trice to take a shot on somebody that's going to be here for a year. Yeah, I, I would be really disappointed if if it came to it. Like, if Trice doesn't yeah. make this team, I'm going to be bummed just because I think that he's so talented. Um, I think the film, you know, the film is not a seventh-rounder cornerback film. No. It's just not. You just don't find guys that are that big, that athletic with that kind of coverage profile um, in the seventh round very often. That's why I wanted them to double dip, and they did, so I'm happy about that. He's not a lock to make the roster, though, man. Like, draft yeah. capital, I know, like, People kind of give a little pushback on this on Twitter, but draft capital matters to people making the team. It matters for the opportunities that, that you get. It matters to the coaches staff. It matters to, you know, the head coaches. Like it just, it's a league wide thing. Like talented yep. players, they just don't get as, as many shots if you, if you don't get drafted high. It just matters more. You get more chances um, yep. if you're, if you're selected earlier. So, uh, but I think Trice has a good chance to make the roster. I mean, I do think that one slot specialist, We'll just say like slot only guy is going to make the roster. Now is that Shannon Sullivan? Yeah, could potentially be, could um, be. Duke Dawson. Like could he factor in the, in in that spot? Yeah, um, and then I do think that they're going to have to find another way as far as like a backup role or a secondary guy to kind of sup- supplement whoever they choose as their slot corner, whether mm-hmm. that's Patrick Peterson moving into the slot, whether that's Demonte KZ coming down to the slot. Um, that's probably how it's going to play out. And the Steelers could also keep six corners. Like, I don't think there's anything they could. that's necessarily going to prevent them from doing that. It's just mm-hmm. they haven't done it as much, I don't think, on the opening roster. Of course, the end of the roster is so fluid, like come week one or preseason. Yeah. But I also just think that like there, there's a chance they could keep six corners. They just might not have in recent years because like the Steelers haven't even been drafting corners in the past couple of years. So it's yeah. like, what are you keeping that sixth guy for? Like uh, uh, mm-hmm. you're just not needing to do it. But one more thing on Trice. Um, you know, back in 2019, he covered kicks. And, um, you know, that, that could be a little bit Ooh. of a good thing. Yeah. Um, you know, he, for, he covered 40 kicks, um, in 2019 for Purdue had two special teams tackles, but that's the last time he's really played special teams. I mean, he doesn't have any, um, you know, punk cover reps in college. So this is just the transition. Like when you get these guys who were, you know, if they're going to the NFL, like a lot of times they're the best, or if not one of the best, uh, players yeah. on their team. And those guys typically don't get the chance to play a lot of special teams in college. It's just how it yep. is. So these guys um, are really going to be learning this aspect of football really for the first time, you know, and that's going to be interesting to see kind of how that plays out. Yeah. hundred percent. And that's the learning curve of the NFL. Just like you said, these guys are way too good to be on special teams in college. So you have to come in here. I mean, but guys figure it out quickly. Hopefully Trice is one of those guys. He's probably already gotten the speech a dozen times. You win Danny Smith over, you're going to make this team. That's how you're going to do it. Uh, The other big news that came out of the Steelers this week, well, one of many, but possibly the second biggest thing. Uh, Shout out Omar Khan dropping a little nugget on the Pat McAfee show yesterday that they have signed Mitch Trubisky to a new contract extension. He's now under contract for the next three years. I will say this first, you know, to shout out Omar Khan. Awesome. It would have been really cool if he could like do that in a press conference once in a while, just like drop a little nugget, just like, hey, guys, this is happening because the way it came out, I was like, you, you were so ready to say that. Like you came into this press (laughs) conference or into this, this interview being like, at the end of this, I'm going to drop a little, a little bombshell on everybody just to gain some street cred, I guess. So again, shout out Omar Khan, three years, 
I believe the upside of it is $33 million, but it's really just a $19 million deal. The incentives probably have stuff to do with starting. And, you know, if, if Kenny goes down, those types of things. Good move. I, I mean, to me, it's, 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 it was the easiest move you could have made all offseason is to extend Mitch. I didn't think he was going to want to do it, but the fact that he's comfortable with being Kenny's mentor, I guess, for the next three seasons, I mean, that makes me feel really good about not only Kenny, but really just the team in general. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's the thing, man. Uh, being a backup quarterback, as uh, I know Mitch, you know, views himself as a starter. And, you know, we kind of thought that, you know, maybe he wanted to pursue other opportunities to kind of continue on that dream. Uh, but at the same time, like being a backup quarterback, man, it's it's a pretty good gig. It's a pretty good gig. You can't it really... is the world's greatest gig. Yeah, Anybody the... who watches football who doesn't play football, if you ask them what is the best job in the universe, their answer would be, a backup quarterback, hands down. Yeah. A backup quarterback with an amazing offensive line and Tom Brady as the starter. That would be yeah. that would be somebody who never gets hurt. Yeah, yeah. I never. mean, it's it's still a good it's still a good thing for him, man. I, I think that this is a good move. Um, I just don't think that Trubisky was going to get very many good opportunities to become a starter again in the league. You know, at at twenty nine years old, I mean, those opportunities are kind of running out. And yeah. also, even this. Um, you know, this extension, um, it's a win-win because it lowers the cap hit uh, for the Steelers, which absolutely needed to happen. I don't – I just – I've kept saying it on here, kept saying it in, um, on the site, but, like, I just can't see a scenario where, like, it's a smart idea to go into the season with him having a $10.6 million contract as a backup. I mean, yeah, it's just crazy. not a good roster construction strategy. Um, but, you know, them being able to lower his cap hit for this year and then keep him around for a couple more seasons I think is a good thing. Uh, and I also think it's a good thing for Mitch, too, in the, in the event that, you know, Kenny does suffer an injury and he's got to go in there and play for a while or whatever. Um, he gets a chance to not only rebuild his value, but his contract uh, could end up paying him a little bit more. So those incentives uh, matter. So I think it's a good, uh, um, a good thing. And it's for Kenny, man, having a uh, having a backup quarterback you know, that's been in the league and has some experience, I think that does pay dividends, you know, um, yes. as a, as a rookie and you saw this, I, I've been watching a lot of Kenny Pickett film uh, this week. So, um, <laughs> so a lot of this stuff's fresh in my mind, but like as a rookie, you don't see, there are new concepts from a defensive standpoint that you are seeing in the league that you've never seen in college. And not yeah. only are you seeing new things, you are seeing them faster than you ever saw them in college. So everything mm -hmm. just happens like a blur. So having guys that like Trubisky who started, you know, I don't know how many games Trubisky's card now, but it's over 50. I'm pretty sure um, yeah. having a guy in the league that's already seen so much ball, you know, he's played multiple years, played all these different defenses to go to for questions, to help out in the film room. Like, Hey, look at this, if the safeties move this way, pre-snap, this is where your eyes need to go. Like those things are really valuable uh, for mm -hmm. young quarterbacks and maybe not as much for veterans, but you know, with Kenny still kind of figuring out his way, I think that this is a good thing. And same thing for like Mason Rudolph too. I think I know we'll get to him, but um, you know, having a guy who's been in the offense and has played, you know, in a couple yeah. of different offenses, he's, he's been around, not necessarily got the game experience that Mitch does. Um, but I do think that, you know, both of those guys, the experience, the things that they've seen can help Kenny like really prepare on a weekly basis. So I appreciate that. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like there was the, this, this is the best case scenario for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Nobody. And it, honestly, like shout out to Mitch and Mason for both kind of recognizing that it was a good opportunity for both of them. I don't know where Mason was going to go. I thought he would have got a backup job somewhere. The fact that he didn't kind of surprise me, but to come back to Pittsburgh, be open to that after we, you know, it was very clear at the end of the season. It was like there, anybody who thought 
there were very few people who thought that Mason Rudolph would ever return or even consider returning to the Pittsburgh Steelers. He comes back, QB3, I get it, but still an opportunity to be in the league. Mitch comes back, just like you said, an opportunity to be a mentor to somebody to kind of build something. I think he also sees, you know, to a degree, depending on where you're going to go, right here is a great backup opportunity for anybody. Anybody who's not going to go be a starter, like you want to be at a team that has potential and in the next couple of years has that Super Bowl window open, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like you have a rookie quarterback, a talented offense. You just re, re, uh, rebuilt the offensive line. You have a good defense. Like the pieces are are in play here for this team to make a run in the next couple of years. You want to win a ring, even if you're not the starting quarterback. Pittsburgh is a great place to be if you're Mitch Trubisky. So I do I agree on both of them. I think two million dollars to save two million dollars is still a good move for the Steelers. Could have been more, but. You know, $8 million for a good backup quarterback. I'm not super upset about that. At the same time, like, you know, I didn't think it was going to happen, but excited Mm -hmm. it was going to happen. They set it all up. Now there's one roster spot available. The Steelers have 89 guys because they signed uh, Dylan Brooks, which, cool story, former college quarterback. So, uh, I mean, when was the last time you saw a college quarterback turn into a left tackle and then make it into the NFL? Pretty impressive. He's cool. They signed what Manny Jones the other day, Hakeem Butler, Luke Barku. We'll talk about those guys in a second here. One roster spot available. It was supposed to be Quan Alexander. That's what everybody thought all week long. He was set to visit the team on, I believe Monday morning, never had, or, or it did happen. No contract yet. It's been dead silent ever since. Do you still look at this situation and go Quan Alexander is going to be a stealer? Or are you starting to think, Man, maybe things just didn't work out and it's time to move on and there's something else up Omar Khan's sleeve. Yeah, I mean, man, it's tough. Uh, Anytime a player leaves the facility without a contract, you know, it's the odds just don't look good. It's usually a bad omen. We just don't really see. Yeah, right. We just don't really see guys, you know, return to the team and, you know, end up making or end up making the, the, the deal. So. Um, I'm going to say probably not, which kind of buns me out because I think that he would have been an intriguing ad, especially on the low. But I, I do want to know, um, I think that the Jets probably want him back, and I bet that he probably has an offer on the table, maybe just one that he's not um, fully comfortable to committing with, or maybe he was you know, trying to play the field a little bit. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but I don't know if it's going to be Quan, man, even though I do think that it would make um, some potential Dude, sense perfect- for that for sure perfect inside linebacker for them part like exactly what we've said should be an inside linebacker for the Steelers for what three years now how long me yeah. me and you've been doing this at least two years for two years now every single time we've talked inside linebacker we've described Quan Alexander as the guy the Steelers should go get and they just have it I mean what do you so you think that he's that he would head back to you think you'd go uh, I guess Aaron Rodgers that changes everything so I, I get that now I get that They've you got some young him? guys too. They've got some young guys over there. They brought back uh, Quincy Williams. Um, you know, they've still got CJ Mosley. You know, he wasn't as the season went on. He wasn't this. Um, he wasn't like a full time player for them. So I think, yeah. um, even though he played well in this, uh, like I thought he played a little bit better than I expected in the limited time that he, you know, got. Um, I do think that there was a potential for them to want him back in the, in the very specific role that he had. I just, it just, you know, we, we see it every year. Like they'll bring in a guy or two on a visit. You know, you look at Bud Dupree, somebody saying that um, in the comments, you know, you look at uh, Dante Hightower, um, 
Drake Kirkpatrick, all these guys that have like had Forgot visits with the Steelers. Those guys. Yeah. I mean, all these guys have had visits with the Steelers in uh, years past, a long time ago. And just, you know, if they don't sign, they let them at the door. It just typically doesn't happen. So do you um, think that they stick with an inside linebacker? Like the first comment we had of the day is Ruben Foster, which. Oh, man, dude, Ruben. I'm not, I'm not going to say no until it's a no. But, you know, do you think it's still an inside linebacker? Well, if you went back and like probably yeah, searched it, it, some it, old tweets of mine, you would you would find yeah. some uh, pro Ruben Foster propaganda. Uh, <laughs> and it you talk about guys that just so in, unbelievably talented and just for what, you know, I, I yep. just it's tough for me to reconcile with that, that somebody has that type of talent and can just throw it away. But man, Foster was such a good prospect. I have no it's idea. So what good. I know he's been out the league for a couple of years and I, I guess he's in the XFL now. I was going to say, he's, got, he's still playing somewhere. Yeah. I, I think, I think I did see that uh, he's playing in the XFL. I just, I don't full disclosure. I just, I just don't watch the other leagues and it's, it's just, it's just oh, not no. my preferred no, in no, entertainment. No. I don't watch a lot of, it would probably surprise people how, how little, live football that i actually consume to be honest you're not a big college football guy like you watch the film yeah i watch i watch so much football but i just i don't ever watch it with like sound and from like the broadcast view i watch so much like all 22 that it's just i watch football on saturdays um like college football live i like that but i just the other the other um football leagues i just i don't know i can't get into it it's just tough nah No, I'm not an XFL or USFL guy either. Once in a while, like I think and it's I watch great the documentary. That they're providing yeah, yeah, yeah. The opportunities. Yeah. If I wake up on a Saturday morning and it's on and like, you know, fiance's still sleeping, I'll have a cup of coffee and watch some football. It's a you know, just because it's nice, but I, I I don't turn them on. But I do like agree. I think that they're awesome. So uh, let's circle back. Do you think that it's remains an inside linebacker this last spot? You think it's you know, outside linebacker has been tossed out there as well? I mean, those are really the only two positions that if it was me, like those are the only two ones that I could see the Steelers still needing. Yeah, it's it's tough, man. I I do agree with you. I think that those two spots, you know, could be potentially spots that they could look at. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, inside linebacker, like I I think we said this a couple weeks ago, but I think there are guys that inside linebacker right now are okay. Like, I don't think that they're going to kill them. I think that, you know, Holcomb is – he's a fine player. I was a little surprised at the length of his contract, but I think Alandon Roberts, you know, he can fill a very specific role, like as that thumper guy. They still got Mark Robinson that they're kind of trying to develop, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that there's definitely room for another guy, um, especially like another really good athlete like, um, you know, Quan Alexander who can really still run at this point in his career. Um so, yes, I also think that there's still a possibility that they could go get a veteran edge rusher. I don't – I was actually playing So, this right name about, just right got tossed out site. here, actually. Yep. Jadamion Clowney. Obviously, a defensive end. Mm-hmm. I think he could play both, possibly. Me, you know, that ended in Cleveland a little rough. Not sure if the personality is what you're looking for in Pittsburgh. Yeah. But I will say this, that it has been – it has been mentioned to me, not as reports. I don't want this to come off as a report. I said it in my to-go this morning. Do not want this to cut. This is not a report. This is simply conversations with other people within the NFL. And Jadavion Clowney's name has been brought up as like a, as like a, oh, you know, there's a lot of people talking about maybe he'd end up in Pittsburgh. And this, this started in like end of early February, mid February, heard it Mm -hmm. a couple of times at the combine and then heard it right up until the draft and thought it was over. And then I heard it again, like two weeks ago, 
And I was like, ooh. Okay. So there's there's talks. You know, there's, there's not right. a report. They have not been in conversations. I have no idea what's going on. I'm just saying that people outside of me think that it's a possibility. And uh, and Jess think it's a possibility. Yeah. I mean, I for one, I would definitely take Clowney, like 100%. Like, I would definitely like Clowney. It's just about the cost. Like, what are you going to pay for a guy like that? Like, Clowney's a guy who's always been, you know, well compensated. If you look at his deals, they're typically, you know, one-year deals and they usually you know cost the team quite a bit like i think i'm just looking at his over the cap page right now but he's made 81 million dollars over the course of his career and he's he's, he's been a good player player yeah i mean it's tough right because i think that Clowney is a good player he's just probably it's it's tough to find a third edge rusher that's not gonna play over 50 percent of the snaps yep that's a good player but like Clowney's too good for that role. And it's kind of yep. like the same thing with like Melvin Ingram. Like they're like too good for that role. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that that's kind of tough at this point in his career. Like there's other names like kind of available out there on the market. Um, you know, Justin Houston is somehow, I have no idea how, but he's somehow extremely productive. He had a really uh, solid season um, with the um, Ravens last year. So he's a guy that's, that's a good like, one. still available. Just looking through the name, like Robert Quinn, he had a down year last year. Yeah, Leonard, old Flo- too. Leonard, Leonard Floyd, Frank Clark, like those guys are in that same boat as like Clowney, where they're probably too good to be like the third guy here, you know? Yep. Yeah, but um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad that you said here because I was going to say, like, there's a lot of other teams that would utilize them for 50 to 60 snaps a game, you know? Like in Pittsburgh, you're getting 20 to 25 max. Yeah. And that, that's a, that's the thing. It's it's tough. And like you, the same thing we saw happen with like the Melvin Ingram situation, right? Like you have to be very transparent in your conversations about that stuff with your free agency, like for, yeah. like additions, because you don't want them expecting something and then they come in, they get something else. And it's like, well, you don't want happened? hostages. And then yeah, you I mean, the, so so what happened? Kansas City. Yeah. So I don't know, man. It, it's tough. I think that. uh I think that they would welcome an addition at edge. You know, a lot a lot of people have, you know, hit me up about um Cal Van Noy. That could potentially be an option. You know, Van Kyle Noy Van Noy is the same thing though. Like, you know, yeah, like, but he, he take... can play I would I think that there is a path to getting him on the field enough to where he might be satisfied and the Steelers could potentially pay him a little bit of money and still yeah, it be makes asking sense. him to do a lot yeah because he can play off ball he could play off the edge you know when i watched him uh play like in miami and in new england like how flores and belichick would use him is like you know as a blitzer they would do different stuff with him so you can get value out of a player like that a yes. player that's you know maybe just like edge specific you got to be careful about not shooting uh what to say like out kicking your coverage, you know, I just yeah, think that yeah. there's, there's only so much that you're going to be able to offer guys like that. Yes, no, I agree. And I think that's the most difficult part right here is that the Steelers have spent the week seemingly creating cap space so that they can make one final like waza. And there's just no, there's no place for the waza. We have no more, we have no more splash left. The Steelers have made all the splash in the world. They're out of water. Like, and I just came up with that on the spot. So mm-hmm. clipping that one, but it's just, 
it's tough to come up with because you look at it and like all offseason, I've heard that Mark Robinson is a guy that they want to develop into something. So you want you don't want to take too much away from him. Uh, Nick Herbig's obviously a name that they have high hopes for. So you don't want to take too much away from his opportunity. I should say, you know, you know, he doesn't have a guaranteed role, but you don't want to take anything away from his opportunity. Offense, pretty set defense. I mean, like there's just outside of slot corner. Like if it was me and you and we were sitting there and you go wouldn't add somebody else, we'd both say go add a slot corner. That's not named Chandon Sullivan and they wouldn't do it. So. See, I think in a in a like best case scenario, I think that that is where I would personally go. Yeah, that's a hundred percent where where everybody should. That's where it should be. Like like they have one remaining real hole, and it is a slot slash nickel corner. And but they in their heads, you know, it's going to be a Duke Dawson Chandon Sullivan competition, and maybe maybe they add somebody eventually. I don't know. There's a couple comments in here about the the young guys. Uh, You don't need a vet. I don't necessarily know that you need one. I just think that they would welcome it. Um, yes. And then De- DeMarvin Leal. Here's the thing. Like, in terms of the young guys, like, I'm all for letting, like, Nick Herbig and, you know, potentially maybe DeMarvin Leal if you want to use him as, like, a tweener out there. Um, but the thing is, is Herbig going to be able to physically hold up on the edge against the run like if if something happens like you i see some people mentioning like if tj gets hurt whatever um yeah, is he gonna be able gonna to hold up is he gonna be able to hold up on the edge with historically short arms i mean just i, I think he's a he was a good run he was a pretty solid run defender in college from what i saw on the tape it's just there's not a lot of edge rushers that are built like him so um and then as far as Leal, like we've mentioned this over and over and over like He's a better edge. He's a better uh, run defender out on the edge because, like, he can, you know, use his size to kind of control um, blockers mm-hmm. a little bit better out there. He's not, you know, facing as many double teams. But like, when he gets kicked in inside, he's a better pass rusher. Like, yep. If if you can't, if you're playing edge and you can't consistently threaten the outside shoulder of the tackle, which Leal's just not explosive enough to consistently do that. That's why he's always been this like tweener who gets moved around. It's like he doesn't really have like a real home. So um yeah, it, it's it's tough. I think that that's it like I think that there are roles for those guys and you could definitely um develop those guys in the meantime. I just it it's tough to go into a season, I think, with the guys that they've got behind, you know, um, TJ Wyatt and Alex Smith right now. So. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think, but I think training camp answers a lot of those things. You want to see what Nick has. You want to see what, you know, what kind of development Leal made, if those two could work well together. I agree with that. I, I do. I do. I think that's their biggest question right here. Um, you said her, Herbie for 10 snaps a game. Yeah. Like if yeah, those 10 where snaps are right rushing now. the passer. Absolutely. That that's yeah. hundred percent. I think he gets 10 snaps a game though. You, you wouldn't put him out there for, you wouldn't let him develop in season for 10, 15 snaps. Yeah, a game? no, no. Yeah. Rushing the passer. Absolutely. I, I think if, but I just think, you know, in the event that something does happen to one of the first two guys, like they definitely don't have, they don't, they don't have an edge rusher behind those two guys that I would feel comfortable going and playing like, and this is, I know it's a realistic expectation, but like they don't have a guy behind Watt and Hospital that you can say like, okay, go start a game. Like Leal's yeah. not, Leal's I not, that- you're just going to be wasting snaps with him out there playing yeah. edge and whoever's say it's Watt or Hosmith on the other side. Like if he's playing edge rusher for 60, 70 snaps, like they're just going to slide the protection. They're going to send doubles, yeah. which 
they already see some of that, but like you don't have to worry about him um, yeah. over there rushing the passer off the edge. And then with Herbig, like again, if he's gonna be asked to go play like eighty percent of snaps, um, that's that's tough. I mean, like is he gonna be able to hold up out there as a run defender at you know two forty um, with that with those arms? I don't know. I mean, we're, we're gonna see that. Um, and I, I'm 100% good to like with seeing how camp goes, uh, with seeing how, um, uh, you know, preseason goes, give these guys a chance. Um, it's mm-hmm. just, it's tough. You know what I'm saying? It, it's, I think no, that I, it's I just agree. difficult when you don't have like a backup that you know you can rely on. And I know the Steelers haven't had that in a long time. And I hope, hopefully, one of these guys, you know, fills that role. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. It's at the same time, it's, it's tough to, cause we just had this conversation. Like it's tough to say, hey, um, you know, go sign somebody, tell them if somebody gets hurt, then you'll play a lot. But before that you won't, you know what I mean? Like it's the Steelers yeah. philosophy of the role and how they utilize it makes it super difficult to game plan for injuries. Like it's, it's actually almost and, impossible. And you can, you can do these, like you can have these conversations about specific um, positions yeah, yeah. on every, every single NFL team, except maybe Philly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. Phil every is just NFL like, here's team. seven million guys. You're yeah. all gonna play. You're all from Georgia. You're gonna have a great time. Like, yeah, yeah. It's no. you. You can do these like song and dances. The only the only reason I like continually harp on like the edge rusher depth is just it. It's the most important position for the Steelers outside of quarterback. It just yes. is like it's so. Their entire defense is really like basically you know founded on the principle that they're going to be able to get pressure off the edge. And that's, yeah. that's why to me, it's, um, it's just a little bit problematic, but we'll see what happens. I think it's going to be a, an interesting thing to watch, you know, come training camp. I'm, I'm excited about seeing how the, some of the young guys develop for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Defense will be a blast to watch. All right. Last thing I, I do want to talk about here. Hakeem Butler signed this week. Luke Barku is as well, I guess a name we should have tossed in there for the cornerback competition, but I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Hakeem Butler, you t- you tossed out his uh, film room yesterday on your YouTube. I won't lie. I went to watch it this morning, and things just got real hectic. Um, but from what I got, the glance that I got was you're pretty hyped about this situation. Big guy, eight eight touchdowns in the XFL, former fourth-round pick. Didn't really work out in the NFL, but the guy's, you know, he's only, what, 25 years old. So at this point, there's still room to develop. You look at him as an option for the Steelers. Do you look at him as an option to actually make the team and maybe push some of these guys like Gunner and Miles out of the roster? Yeah, it's going to be tough, man. Like this, all of these, you know, all of these like backup type receivers that they've got, like they're intriguing based on their traits, but I don't, it's going to be like, it's so wide open, you know, to me, right? Like I think, Butler is interesting, you know, because I do think that he has very some very unique traits to him. You know, the size, like being 6'5 and, you know, 84-inch wingspan or something like that. Like, yes. he's unbelievable. Um, he's unbelievable uh, in terms of his size profile. I like the way he goes over the middle. Like, in college, like something that I really liked about him was, uh, uh, you know, how he quickly transitioned to a runner after the catch. Like, he was mm-hmm. pretty good after the catch. He's fluid for, like, that type of – um body type he can sink his hips uh, i do think that he could do there are some things that you know i remember being a little bit uh concerned about with you know his pad level and you know his overall route running still still needed some some refinement but 
you know, ran sub four or five in the 40 yard dash. Uh, from what I've seen, again, I don't watch XFL, just full disclosure. I did go watch like his catches on YouTube. I was going to say, did you watch, did you watch his XFL yeah, film? It, it looked, it looked, um, I mean, there is no all 22 for XFL that I could get my no, hands on. No, but, you yeah, just got to watch it, the game. Yeah, I had to go watch just like the YouTube targets and it, it looked like the same stuff, man. Like he, it looked like, you know, very, very much what I remembered from him as a, as a, as a prospect. But I, I do think, you know, as a, he's got some inside outside versatility. I personally think like his best shot is probably as like a big slot. That's, that's the way I could potentially see a role for him in an NFL yeah. offense. But um, yeah, I definitely think that, you know, he's an intriguing one. It, he's going to be extremely fun to watch in the preseason, even if he's yes. a practice squad guy, even if he, you know, maybe he's the last receiver on the roster. I don't know. Um, but really, really fun player. I, I, hold on. I got somebody saying Nick Herbig uh, has the same measurables as, as Michael Parsons. As Michael Parsons. That's a conversation. Gotta There's a difference man. between a fourth round pick and the what was he, the eighth pick in the draft or something like there's just physically those are two different human beings. Yeah, I, I've just. Yeah. <laughs> I, i've seen this on twitter a couple yeah. times. i think i saw this on twitter a couple times or maybe it was like somebody comment on my video from herbic um those two dudes are completely different athletes yes. like yes. micah micah just is a freak um and there's always going to be those uh historical outlier types um that succeed and micah being able to succeed out there on the edge at you know his size and playing at you know 245 whatever um, that's awesome that he's able to do that, but like, it's really just because he's a freak athlete. Like, yes. I mean, and Mike is actually like really strong for, for like his profile. And like, you can, you can watch those two guys and they're just not the same, yes. uh, strength profile, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I know yeah. that you weren't comparing those two, two guys as prospects, bro. I just, I was just saying that like, he's still like Herbig's just a historical outlier in terms of like his length. Like that's just it's going to be tough for him. They're, they're just not that many guys doing it. And like Parsons is probably the, probably the only guy. And like, even then we haven't really seen Parsons play like edge rusher, like a hundred percent of the time he's done it a ton in Dallas, but um, this year's, I think they're going to do that with him this year for the first time. Like yeah, he's he not playing anymore. Strictly to defensive end. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Strictly to defensive end. I don't know. We'll yeah. look at, we'll see, but Michael Parsons is Mike. I mean, he was probably, he was like comparatively the best player in that draft class. So it's hard to say that he compares. Yeah. Anybody. And I, again, I know what you're saying uh, before we go back to Akeem. Cause I do have thoughts on Akeem. Did you see the TJ Watt falling in the pool video yesterday? And <laughs> the, look at, he, he played that off. And I talked to a lot of people about just like, Oh, like, like I was texting with somebody. I sent the video to them and, and I was like, and, and this is like, you know, this is a Steelers human being. This is a human being that wears a Steelers logo quite often. And they're like laughing and they're just like, they're just like, yeah, like, you know, it's a good one. And I, like, cause I just sent it to him. I just sent the video and I was like, like, you know, season's almost over right here. You, the, the guy was this close to smacking his head off the side of that pool, <laughs> breaking a leg. It wasn't any, it was, it was not an easy fall. Like anybody who was like, oh yeah, no, that was terrifying. And all Steelers fans should have, should have taken a step back there for a second and been like, oh my, stop, stop. Art Rooney should call a cool, a pool cleaning service immediately. Have that guy's house pooled, cleaned every day. That was <laughs> TJ should never have to clean a pool again after that one. That was terrifying. Did you see it? Yeah, I, I did see the video. Yeah, that was I, as someone who's 
also fallen in the pool with their phone in their yeah, pocket yeah, yeah. before. Um, that's just that's a terrible feeling. His it was reaction, smooth, though. That was that was yeah. His smooth. reaction after he fell in was pretty funny. But yeah, yeah glad glad TJ's all right. Yeah, I'm sure that um, pretty much every Steelers fan on Twitter probably you know their heart skipped a couple of beats after oh, that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Mike was Mike Tomlin was not a fan of TJ posting that. You would have been like, you, I guarantee you, the exact words was maybe it would have been better if I never saw this. If I just didn't know that this happened, it would have been great. The dog sitting there too. I mean, you know everything about dogs, but that that dog <laughs> just like, oh, fell in the pool, huh? That sucks. That sucks. Didn't yeah. even move. Yeah, it was awesome. It was a good one. All right, let's talk. Let's go back to Akeem Butler. I think just like you said, inside outside versatility. Like that a lot about him. I, I think that his best position is to be a slot guy with Allen Robinson. But I think that it allows Calvin Austin to also move to the outside because Calvin Austin's an outside receiver in an inside receiver body with inside receiver speed. But this dude makes big man plays all the time. And I think the Steelers wanted to utilize him on the outside a little bit last year. That's how he ran a lot of his uh, training camp reps. I think that he could be like a, an inside outside versatility guy instead of just a slot option. And then the Steelers could have two big guys in Allen Robinson in Hakeem Butler to kind of, you know, be who they wanted to be in the slot and just kind of allow everybody else to like do their thing. Yeah. I think if nothing else, man, like obviously there's no risk associated with this signing and I'm just no. excited to see like how everything plays out in training camp, how, you know, the roles get defined, where guys get their first shots, you know, at, whether, at what positions. So I think it's a good, I think it's a good move. I think there's, I think it's worth getting somewhat optimistic about um, Hakeem Butler making the team. He's definitely, you know, obviously not a lot, but I, I don't think that he's a guy that you look at and say like, yeah, this dude's not talented. I'm no, 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 three. definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that he, because Miles Boykin and Gunnar Olszewski have been the names to kick out there. You think those guys have like, uh, so Deontay, George, Allen Robinson, Calvin Austin, those are four. They keep it. Last year, they kept six, right? This year, but typically they keep five. You'd have to think that it's Miles Boykin, Gunnar Olszewski, Hakeem Butler, and like Anthony Miller really fighting hard for those final one to two spots. It's the same thing we talked about, right? With the corner situation, it's yeah. going to come down to special teams. You know, Boykin yeah, yeah, has yeah. the upper hand in that regard, you know, with his capabilities to, you know, run down punts, run down kicks. I, I think that that's. Oh, and um, Jordan Bird. Forgot about Jordan Bird. I would also, I would, you know, put put that um, high on the priority list in terms of what they're looking for in a fifth or sixth receiver. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, Johnson, Pickens, Robinson, those three are your locks. And then everybody else just kind of, you know, fights for those last two, three spots. And I'm excited to see how it plays out. But, yeah, special team is definitely going to play a big part um, yes. in, in that. Somebody brought up Jordan Bird. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we've seen this happen before. You know, you ret you you know return a couple kicks, return a couple punts. Mm -hmm. uh, back for the – yeah, it's uh that's that's the way onto the roster. So. Cheddar Bob, baby. Cheddar Bob, Matthew yeah. Sexton, guy who that was the original that started so many things. So <laughs> many things. Every year there's a small guy now. I mean, who was last year? Who was the little dude out of I want to say like ECU little guy? Like he was like five, four and yeah, a half. I don't know who you're talking little about. white dude. Yeah. But Matthew Sexton paved the way. For, the only reason that guy made it to the summer is because because Matthew Sexton was a dog. And the Steelers are like, well, we got to try it again. Maybe this works out for the best of us. But I, yeah, I agree. You got to be real good at special teams. You got to put on a show. You got to ball out in the preseason. And you got to, you know, you, you got to, you got to showcase yourself that you're capable of doing way more than just being a receiver. If you're going to make it as that, that final spot 
two spots, 100. percent All right, with that. Oh, all right. Let's finish off with this one. Um, because I think this is a good question. Matt Canada is still the Steelers' offensive coordinator. We just talked about everything. Do you see an explosive offense? Do you see a better offense in 2023? We have, we've essentially have 90 guys. The Steelers roster is the first one is in place. You know, do you do you see it? Do you see it being better? Hey, my guy, get on, kid. Let me know if <laughs> let me know if you have the answer to this question. I, I, Nobody has I don't. An I, I'm I'm optimistic that that's that that's going to be the case. Um, I will continue on. I think the Steelers are talented enough to be um, explosive on offense. They're talented enough to be, you know, probably like a top. 15 ish i'll say like between 10 and 15 offense uh with their upgrades on the offensive line that's also assuming you get a um a, a significant sizable uh year two leap from kenny pickett but i mean the weapons are there um the offensive line's better on paper uh just i don't know i'm, I'm not overly optimistic but at the same time no. i'm trying to like you know, be as optimistic as I can. If if he can't do it, if he can't do it with this group, like he's not going to get another shot, and not just like with the Steelers, but probably not going to get another shot in the league. I would say. Yeah, so I agree. This is a big year for him. I'm sure that he knows that better than pretty much everybody. So yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how it plays out. But I, I'm not going to hold my breath that they're going to be like. I think they're going to be better just because I think the talent is better and I think it's going to be hard not to be in that regard uh with Pickett you know going into year two Samalo you know I, I think that's they can be a good like an above average offense I, I still think that that's um you know above average offense it's a tough one um yeah I agree I think that the, the all when, 22s from last year people were open Canada can't call the play and throw the ball yes and no that's not necessarily not – I mean, that's not necessarily wrong. Um, there's definitely plays that Pickett left out there. I mean, obviously, you look at Pickett's yes. numbers. They weren't very impressive, for even for a rookie quarterback. Yeah. But um, at the same time, like, if you know what you're watching, you can also watch the All-22 and understand that there are some uh, there are some pretty big schematic gaps between what the Steelers are running on offense and what everybody else in the league is running, just in my opinion. Yes. Uh, just to go just, off of that real quick – the uh, the, Kenny made like the top five list of quarterbacks under 25 or whatever. Brock Purdy was ahead of him, I think Justin Fields was too. But my he, thing he with made Brock that Purdy, he, he, he was number five. He okay. was number five. Who, um, what list? Uh, just is this? I want to go look at it. I don't know. Good morning, football. It wasn't like anything okay. official, but it was, I think it was good morning, football. We talked about it on Wednesday. And uh, my point was, is that you know, you Brock Purdy's number three, but it's not because Brock Purdy's the the third best quarterback on the list. It's because Brock party has the best offensive play caller in football. And Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett might be third on that list, but he might be the third best quarterback on the list. Maybe, maybe fourth behind Justin Fields, but he has the worst play caller in football. And the difference <laughs> that that makes is huge. And it pops up everywhere. And I think at some point, the Steelers are going to notice that because other teams, and they're going to get a first week one. They're going to get a perfect glance of that. They're going to get, Hey, Kyle Shanahan's offense is ridiculous, and this guy's got Sam Darnold lined up at quarterback because everybody else is hurt, and we can't do anything with the one of the best offenses we've seen in the last five years on this football team. Why? Because of the OC. And it's going to start it. It's going to start a good season or a bad season for them, but I agree. I don't know. I'm more, like, excited to uh, to see what happens. I, I, I forget about, you know, Matt Canada leaves my mind every, like, couple of weeks. 
and then I forget about him, and then somebody brings him back up, and I'm like, ah, I was feeling real good about it, man. Why would you have to do? Why would you have to do that to me? Like, why would you? Why would you bring it back? Why would you bring it back? Good enough to make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, same. I agree. I agree. I think yeah. this is a this is a playoff looking team. One that you should uh, we should be very excited about the season. And with that, it starts on Tuesday. OTAs, mini camp, then our last break, training camp, and we are back to football. With that, we're heading out of here. Thank you guys so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash All Steelers Talk, and check us out anywhere you get your podcast. Find all of mine and Derek's work at allsteelers.com, and also go subscribe to my boy Steelers DB on YouTube. I will be back on Monday with Steven. Enjoy a beautiful weekend in the Berg. Peace. 